Welcome to Naming in an AI Age. Last week, we discussed name testing and research with Jan Huang, a computer science professor at the University of Tennessee and founder of Maprio. This week, the discussion continues as we focus on AI's impact on market research. AI has been talked about since November uh, when they released ChatGPT yes. in, the, in the general public. It's been talked about for decades before that. Um, we've gone to some AI conferences. I'm sure you have too. The big concern, and this is probably overstating it, but you know, is AI going to replace how we do market research and, and name testing? And and if so, how? Or if if part of it's going to be replaced, how? And if not, where do you not think AI, ML, LLMs, all this other stuff is really going to make an impact? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, wow. Uh, how long is your show? Three hours? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a long topic. Um, so uh, first off, uh, as someone who uh, teaches and do research in uh, computer science, and of course funded by a federal agency to do computer science, um, uh, so my view is probably a little different from the general public. So first off, I don't see AI as a threat at all. Um, and here are my reasons. Um, so uh, the AI that has gotten everybody's attention, uh, those are data-intensive AI. I really want to emphasize this. It is data-intensive AI. So there are other kinds of AI that was done uh, years before um, that uh, really wanted to do uh, reasoning, logic, and all of that without a whole lot of data. Those didn't go anywhere. And that's why you didn't hear uh, about them. Now suddenly we're now hearing about this data-intensive AI. Then what does it uh, depend on? Well, data, lots and lots of data. So uh, what ChatGPT is good at is it can read faster than anyone can. And it actually remembers everything better than everybody can. So in that regard, it is better than any human. Uh, and to a degree where it can even appear to do math, but here's how, how it works. Um, ChatGPT is good at inferring what the next word should be. It can consider a very, very big context. Uh, and how it infers is simply this. I've seen that before somewhere in certain document that I've seen. And I've seen that more than once. So I believe it uh, pretty deeply and put it uh, out there. That's how that works. And uh, uh, so uh, if you're reading press, it is, you should be impressed by a, a eight-year-old kid who can read everything, remember everything, and regurgitate everything. And you shouldn't be threatened by that eight-year-old. Uh, and uh, so how it appears to do math, such as say five plus three equals eight. Right, so it's because it has seen it in some documents before. Now, uh, go to ChatGPT and try the following: try uh, thirty-four thousand five hundred eleven dot three seven five plus two. It cannot do it because, in that case, I don't think it has seen that in any document in the past. So, due to that reason, then if we look at the market research, so if you are needing to read a lot of documents, in that case, ChatGPT is probably pretty good. So, but I really want to say for a researcher, this is almost like you got an intern who has uh, this eight year old ability to memorize everything. Uh, the thinking part is still up to you, and uh, uh, choosing what perspective matters the most is up to you. Uh, so, I don't, don't see a threat there. Uh, I see a productivity boost, right? In name testing, I really want to say I don't see AI replacing name testing at all. 
because if it's a new name, uh, the world has not seen it before or not in the context, in the business context they're talking about. So there's nothing to read, nothing to memorize. ChatGPT can't tell you that, hey, I've seen this before. Now, in that case, uh, ChatGPT can do one more thing uh, that the general public would call a uh, hallucination. Because I think I've seen something else that's close enough and I can piece it together. Looks good enough to me, right? So in that case, that's where the hallucination comes from. But it's not a like there is a Dr. Evil behind trying to piece thing, things together. It's all because I've not seen it before. So then what? testing if it's all new and it's on the leading edge, there's no way data intensive AI can help. There's no data. We have seen that in, in a lot of ways. So if it's a traditional industry, right, where they're like, let's say banking, and there are a ton of banks out there, and there has not necessarily been a lot of innovation, at least up until fairly recently. And we use chat GPT to, you know, with the right engineer, prompt engineering, yep. it'll come back with names that sound good for what's been out there, right? They're familiar, they're sort of, yeah, that sounds like a bank name. But as soon as you start introducing, because there's a lot of data, right? There's a lot of banks, a lot of names out yep. there. And so it's easy to infer that. But as soon yeah. as you say, well, this is a different kind of bank, you know, this is a bank that has an ITM, not an ATM. Well, there's some question, does a, does a chat GPT have enough data even about what an ITM is versus an ATM to even know what you're talking yeah. about, right? Yeah. And then it also has, it's a hybrid model, right? So it's not just a standalone ITM. We're going to have a bunch of these ITMs these interactive technology uh, terminals where you can sort of do a lot of the banking with the help of tech. We're also mm -hmm. going to have somebody that's live, that's on site, that's able to help you use that tool. Yeah. Uh, so it's this hybrid of, well, we're going to have this new kind of branch that's mostly tech driven, but there's also real life people there to help you. There's not, there's no way in the world we've seen, we've tried, you know, they can't come up with anything that's exciting and new. It just comes back with, a lot of the same stuff and of course a lot yeah. of the same stuff is not only boring and is not only yeah. on brand or on message but it, yeah. it has all kinds of trademark problems because it sounds like everything else has already been tried over and over, so, and over uh, uh, every university uh, uh has a ai task force right now <laughs> because <Okay. laughs> uh, everyone is scared to death by essays uh, now uh, being produced in seconds, right? Um, uh, so so I, I've been part of that conversation too. Uh, but one thing that's really interesting is um, sometimes when faculty get frustrated, we, we, we joke with each other. For example, to say, you see, chat GPT can replace one thing really, really well. That is mediocre writing. Yes. <laughs> so if you want something average, something normal looking, something that fills the space. ChatGPT is really, really good. But if you want anything original, I just don't see it. Don't well, see that's it. Very common. Yeah, so if you have a assignment for students where you demand some originality, where you think you've taught things something original and uh, they can do it, uh, if the results come back is so mediocre, you can actually tell. You don't even need to send it into a cheat checker. Um, in, in names, especially with the kind of work that you guys do, I really think those are original, compelling, um, you know, sometimes uh, too thought-provoking where I want to react to it saying, hey, Mike, what is that? <laughs> right? uh, but nothing nothing that's like the normal thing out 
out there. So, so I guess just I have to concede a little bit. Mediocre name uh, <laughs> and all of the business operation around that may be doable by ChatGPT, maybe, right? But if you're on good, original, compelling things, um, maybe uh, whatever ChatGPT says, don't do. Okay. So I have a question that I think I know you're going to answer to, but it was uh, the subject of much conversation at, at one of the last market research conferences I attended. And that is the synthetic respondent, right? That there is there is a lot of data about you know individuals and may, how they react in certain situations. And so the the presentation was around you can do a study, a name testing study or any other kind of name testing study, but instead of using real live people, you know, you yeah. sort of specify the demographics or the psychographics. Like, hey, I need you know, 500 gals between 18 and 35 mm -hmm. making this much money with three kids and they live at home. They don't have, I mean, whatever those parameters are. And it's supposedly is going to be able to evaluate as if they were real people and come back, not just with the, the quant data, but with the, the open in verbatims, right? The actual reasoning, the rationale yeah. Now, I don't see how that really is going to work, but I didn't know if you had a point of view on that. Um, you know, what is your thinking about in the future? Do we really think you're going to be able to conduct a study with a robot or a synthetic respondent as opposed to a real human being? Um, well, uh, so not speaking as a computer science uh, person, just speaking as a person. I would say uh, over so many years, centuries, uh, you know, uh, humanizing has been a good thing, right? So uh, on that notion, the idea of uh, creating synthetic respondents so that we don't have to have humans anymore, uh, I'm, I'm just philosophically against it, right? Um, and then as a computer science per person, uh, let me say this, if it's a use case, is that is so well understood. There's so much data behind it. Yes, we can build a software agent that can learn from all of that and be really, really good. And uh, certain situation actually needs this, like self-driving car. Uh, and that's exactly that. And uh, there are other situations where, for example, right now there are AI agents that can diagnose uh, uh, EEG uh, very well. Uh, there are AI agents that can diagnose uh, 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 a tumor really, really well. And those are all great things because in that case, it's a specific enough task and the machine is indeed better than the, than the human. Um, but to build a bunch of robots uh, uh, that pretend that, uh, to pretend that the use case that you have is so well understood to every bit of nuance, um, I think that's uh, uh, scientifically, uh, you know, uh, too far a stretch, and 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 I want to uh, uh, stay on, you know, the academic language, academic language side, uh, uh, but I I think it's uh, uh, stretching the fact and stretching the capability. I think that's a great comment. I mean, we've done some testing, right, where we actually will try ChatGPT or a Bard or whatever, and then we'll test it the real way right with real people yeah. or with hard data and yeah. what scares us to death still is that that hallucination factor that yeah. you you mentioned that yeah you have to know enough about your domain your subject matter and be expert enough in it yeah to ascertain 
when what you're getting from AI is helpful and is going to complement and yeah. is probably pretty close to the truth, like a mm -hmm. tumor that's a certain size for a certain age segment or whatever, yeah. versus something that's just fabricated. And we've seen some fabrication. It sounds great. It sounds like, oh, yeah, this this route means this awful thing in this culture, in this language. Yep. And you go out and you check it. And it doesn't mean that at all. You know, people that have lived in that culture, that yeah. speak that language, have no yeah. clue where. Yep. And so I think it's going to be helpful in those areas where you have the expertise and knowledge to really uh, vet the answer and use it the right way as a complement and a supplement. But I do think that in those domains where, you know, you can't check it, it's it's like move forward at your own risk, right? You know, there's a big yeah. danger sign with the skull yes. across the bones. Don't yeah. go into that swamp because you'll so never get out. Right now, the uh, research that we're doing are aiming to build uh, AI agents that are assisting uh, human on particular tasks. Uh, those uh, methods are really task oriented. Now, let me tell you why that approach will never translate to uh, human side. It's because humans are social beings. The motives within humans are social related. Uh, you can say it's your private thought, but it is for social reason. And if we really think about it uh, uh, and, and self-check, that is the case. And to so much, uh, uh, to such a point where uh, if we say uh, our social identity is how we define ourselves, then it's not just a relationship, a, a motive. It is how we define ourselves then. Then in that case, unless you truly understand the social surroundings of the testing subject, I really want to say you should not assume there is any data to help you understand how they actually think. Knowing their age and gender means nothing. They are social beings to begin with. So I really believe the name testing stuff you guys are doing are the ones that are, you know, that that are, I must say, the gold standard. I I, I don't want to say there will be never anything better, right? But uh, I see uh, you guys as the gold standard right now. Well, and, and it's tough to mimic that real world, right? I mean, we try to yeah. show a stimulus, like let's say it's a, a physical product. Well, yeah. we feel pretty strongly you want to pro try to present that stimulus in as real world a setting as possible. So you drop the name on the package yep. with minimum text or words that you require the respondent to read because they're not going to read it in a real world situation anyway, yep. you know, or a video, you know, or whatever that stimulus is to try to say, look, no name is ever out of context. Even in conversation, there's some, yeah. there's some context that wraps around that name and provides, you know, some ideas to what you're talking about, you know, what the yeah. social context is, what the product or service offering is. Yes. And you can't, cannot ignore that. And I think that's going forward going to become, you know, even more important. And so talk about going forward. Maprio and you, you know, you as the, the founder of Maprio, you've probably got some plans for how that, that platform is going to evolve. I would just be interested in you know, anything else you want to talk to us about why you built MapRio and you've shared some of that already, but, but perhaps more importantly for our listeners, where you see the future, right? And where you want to take market research and the kinds of things that you're doing, you know, to that next level or that next couple levels, any, any thoughts or any, any vision you can share with us without revealing anything that's proprietary? Oh, well, uh, actually, uh, Mike, in this case, I want to say, uh, working with you, uh, 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 working with industry leaders like you actually taught me how 
uh, a lot of things work. So I want to thank you for that. Uh, overall vision, um, here's one thing I, I can say, and uh, I think many people will agree with me. Um, data itself is relatively new in human civilization. For many, many years, we thought knowledge are you know, embodied in books, right? Um, data itself is an embodiment of fill in the blank. You can say insights, you can say knowledge, you can say power, uh, or you can even put a dollar sign there. However, uh, the ability to work with data uh, is um, not widespread, right? And uh, so in this case, a question that we often see people ask is, uh, uh, do you think I've gotten everything out of the data already? And our answer um, usually is, uh, no, you're just scratching surfaces. Yeah. Uh, so, so this uh, 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 interesting dynamics leads us to see the following as a huge opportunity. That is, there are plenty of things that you can do with data. You're not doing because you don't have time. Uh, and uh, uh, not just you don't have expertise, because there's so many you know, self-learning things out there now. If you want to pick up the skill, you can. right? So I want to say lack of time is the key. Due to lack of time, you actually don't do those important things uh, with the data. Hence, you don't get to see all of the, you know, everything the data can offer. Uh, doing micro-segmenting happens to be one great example of that. Um, so uh, one vision that we, we have is to create as much um, uh, tools as we can to put all of these values that can be extracted from data into our users' hands. Things that they couldn't do just because they didn't have time not because they didn't know they're valuable. Uh, so due to that, uh, we have created a suite of data products and you guys have been using a lot of those. I, I, I've heard good things from you guys, thank you. And then, uh, so we built Action Priorities Grid and we built Complete Profile um, and uh, we want to build more. So that's the overall vision. And that's what the mission uh, that um, MapRio is on. Awesome. So if one of our listeners wanted to find out more about you and MapRio and, and where you're going and how they might be able to take advantage of your platform, where would you like for them to go? How do they get a hold of you? Um, the easiest is uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I, I have, uh, due to many reasons, uh, spent a lot of time on LinkedIn and now I'm a little addicted. I'm an addict. <laughs> so the easiest is on LinkedIn. And uh, also full disclosure, my name is like a John Smith in English. So there are many, many Jian Huangs out there in this world. Uh, so I'm the one that's uh, at University of Tennessee. Uh, so that's pretty easy uh, to find. And um, um, also go to MapRio website. That's an easy thing. But I'd love to connect with people, learn from uh, our users. And uh, one thing I realized is I really understand data. But uh, until you understand the context of how data is uh, collected and how data are used. Uh, even I don't know how to extract the full value of the data. So meeting uh, uh, you, Mike, meeting Kay uh, has been uh, very valuable to me. Uh, so uh, if I can connect with more people on LinkedIn, I'd love to. And that's great. And even though you're a professor at the University of Tennessee and not don't the hold University that against of Texas me. here in Austin, <laughs> we're, we're glad that we have this this relationship. So just for our listeners, the 
The website is Maprio, M-A-P-P, two P's, M-A-P-P-R-I-O dot com. Uh, and Jan, could you just yeah. spell your name for anyone that wants to try to find you so they've got the spelling correctly? Okay, so it's uh, just about Maprio. Maprio, the name comes from mapping priorities. That's how the name uh, came about. So uh, yeah. map priorities, map, Maprio. Uh, my name is Jian Huang, J-I-A-N. Uh, sound uh, uh, on certain days it could sound like uh, a certain alcohol drink. <laughs> uh, uh, last name is Huang H U A N G, uh, and um, I'm not related to the CEO of Nvidia. Oh, too bad. <laughs> not at all. No not stock all. options there. <laughs> uh, uh, very very far. Five hundred years ago, the family may cross the branch a little bit. Uh, yeah, but uh, not related. Okay. Well, Jan, thank you so much for your time today. Great insights, great discussion. Really appreciate it. Wish you the, the best of success and have a great weekend. Yeah. Wish you guys the best too. Thank you for having me.